Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. everybody it is wednesday february 22nd 2023 welcome to the nfl fantasy football podcast where we're all about that action boss it's me your man mg marcus grant joined by michael f florio ryan dennis is on the controls and look we got free agency stuff to talk about florio i'm excited because today's the start of the florio film festival we will get to that at the end of the show um just you know how are you feeling after your first your first big 90s action movie watch I, I enjoyed it. Um, I will say I almost texted you that night because I know you've referenced this uh, with a friend of the show, Matt Harmon, about how he'll watch any number of TV shows, but like a movie feels like work. Mm-hmm. When I went to press play on Terminator 2 and saw that it was two and a half hours, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be hard <laughs> to get through. And I thought about it and I was like, if you asked me to watch two and a half episodes of a TV show right now, I could easily do that. So I, I realized I very much so fall in that same boat. You know, it's a weird thing, I guess, apparently because the show was broken up into like more bite-sized bits, I guess, as opposed to a movie. Um, it's I, I feel like it's definitely a mental thing. Uh, and I think because I've binge-watched so many TV shows, I think I'm I'm transitioning to that. So I got to shake myself out of that at all. So, <laughs> uh, But we will talk a little bit of movies at the end of the show. So, uh, you know, we're going to talk some some football at the beginning of it. So for those of you who, you know, if, no offense, if you don't want to hear us talk about action flicks, but uh, we got football heading into that. So let's actually let's just dive into that because it is free agency time. We are less than a month from the opening of the new league year when free agents can sign with new places over the next couple of weeks. We will break down each of the fantasy relevant positions. So today it made sense to start with the quarterbacks because there are a few interesting names out there. I kind of have them broken up into three groups. Basically, you got your tier one guys, tier two, and then sort of everybody else. So. Let's start at tier one because, I mean, why wouldn't you? Um, I got three guys that I basically felt like fall into the tier one category. The first one, it's Tom Brady. And yes, I know he put out the statement that he is retired, that it's for real this time. But, Mike, he also sort of left up with a window in that he's not going to take a TV gig until next season There is some rumor mongering out there that maybe he's going to stay away for a little while. Then the itch is going to hit and maybe he comes back to his hometown team. He's always wanted to play for the 49ers. He grew up a Joe Montana fan. You know, San Mateo, his hometown is not that far from Santa Clara where the Niners play their home games. 
San Francisco has some quarterback issues coming up. So it's a simple question. Is Tom Brady actually done? And can we put this all to bed? I want to say yes, because it feels more (laughs) real than a year ago. Like it came out that he actually filed the paperwork this time, which he didn't do last time. But then the year off, right? Like that is what gives me all of this doubt. And part of me, when he first said he was taking the year off and he was like, I don't want to do anything unless I could be great at it. And I want to just take this time to practice my broadcasting and get really to a place where I'm comfortable with it. I was like, wow, that is so commendable. Like we normally (laughs) see people just jump in and they collect that paycheck and they're learning on the job. And we always say like, oh, it's tough to listen to. Brady doesn't want to be in that category. So it's really respectable. But yeah, it leaves open that window for him to come (laughs) back for 2024 and play football, especially because the news that Brock Purdy still hasn't been able to get that surgery on his elbow, some more inflammation that he's dealing with. The longer that that goes on, the more of a risk he is of not being ready to start the season. And to me, with with Trey Lance already coming back from an injury, that seems like the perfect landing. Like to me, I I think it would be 49ers or bust kind of, because I think if he wanted to go to the Raiders, he would have never retired. Um, so I think it's either 49ers or we don't like how weird would it be of a year where we just don't see Tom Brady at all? It would be strange, right? I mean, it would be it, it's nearly a quarter of a century since Tom Brady wasn't in the NFL. So to not see him would be weird. I know. Look, I, I look at this 49er team and I see what happened last year. And it's easy to think if Tom Brady was the quarterback, this is a Super Bowl winning team. That, that they even can beat, they beat the Eagles, they beat the Chiefs, that this team is good enough to win the Super Bowl. As much as it's fun to talk about, I think it's just a rumor. I think, I think <laughs> what's going to happen is he's going to take this year off. He's going to reconnect with his family, um, you know, at least spend time with his kids. I think he's probably going to work on his broadcasting skills because, you know, say what you want about Tom Brady. You can never say that he is unprepared for a situation. So I, I really do sort of take him at his word that, This is a year to kind of decompress from 23 seasons of NFL football and that he will really start fresh next year and dive into the broadcasting thing. But I do think it's fun to talk about. I think I know, especially in the Bay Area, there's a lot of chatter and it's just kind of fun bar conversation about what would happen if Tom Brady took over as the quarterback of this team. I don't think it's actually going to happen. I think we have actually truly seen the last of Tom Brady. I have like a tinfoil hat conspiracy theory with Tom Brady. Um, I think that last season he actually was stepping away from training camp to film The Masked Singer. And then the rumor (laughs) got out and they were like, we can't do it this season. So they're using him in The Masked Singer. This like the season comes out like in a couple of weeks. He's going to be in that. And then he's going to be like, I'm playing football again this year. And (laughs) he's never going to go away. That would be amazing if, if if Tom Brady actually showed up on the Mass Singer this year because that was I remember we we really like mapped it out right we mapped the whole thing out and it, it, it the dates lined up creepily well. Um, <laughs> uh, Ryan has an interesting thought. Maybe he was filming eighty for Brady. Which is that movie even out yet? Has anybody seen it? I I don't know I, that I'm gonna. I haven't seen it, but I know it, it, it came out. It is. Out. I haven't really heard many people talk about it. I uh, let's see. It got a sixty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So take that, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> That's actually higher than I think it, than I imagined it would have gotten. So, uh, all right. So Tom Brady done playing football. Next stop, broadcast booth. 
We'll see how that goes. Maybe he shows up on The Masked Singer in between then. If not, we're just going to, you know, go on to Reddit and see what other theories they have about Tom Brady <laughs> at this point. Um, other names, though, that are more likely to be playing football next year. Aaron Rodgers. Now, technically, he is not a free agent, but appears very much to be on the trade block there in Green Bay. He went into the darkness. He is finding himself yet again this offseason. And we'll see what decisions he has when he emerges from his darkness retreat. But for us, it's been a long time. His whole career has been in Green Bay. The last couple of years, he has been flirting with moving somewhere else. So I'm going to channel the clash and say, should he stay or should he go? What is the best fit for Aaron Rodgers right now? I think he should go. He's he's been toying with the idea of leaving for a while now and it finally seems like the Packers are kind of on that same page as well and they have to be because they need to know what Jordan Love is like he's quickly going to be his rookie deal is going to quickly be coming up and they're going to have to decide on the fifth year option and all of that and they haven't seen any of him so uh, I think it's been especially with the Packers kind of in this weird in-between state where their roster is good enough to compete and maybe even win the division but I think that's like their ceiling. I, I don't think this is a roster that could go on to to make it or win a Super Bowl. Um, I think his best fit is with the Oakland Raiders. Um, it's an offensive-minded head coach. He gets reunited with Devontae Adams there. And I've actually been making the case for the Jets because I know they're very much so tied into him as well. If I'm the Jets, I'm looking at it as, do I want to give up the many assets it's going to take me to acquire a soon-to-be 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers and his massively bloated contract that is on the books for another three years? Or do I want to just sign Derek Carr and give him like $30 million and use everything else to kind of build up my already really strong roster? So I continue to think Carr to the Jets, Rodgers to the, the Raiders would be the best outcome for both teams. Yeah, I mean, that Raider that Raider rumor is really strong. And I mean, it, it doesn't hurt or help, whatever. When you've got Devontae Adams tweeting about it, that, uh, you know, he's got, you know, he, he wants Aaron to move into his neighborhood, basically, and, and see if they can get that thing going again. I don't think going back to the Packers works for either side. I know that much. Where, whether it's the Jets, whether it's the Raiders, um, I just don't think it can be Green Bay. I think partially for what you said about Jordan Love, that they need to know. Um, you know, we've talked about that with the 49ers. They are trying to figure out what they have with Trey Lance. At least with Lance, you can sort of chalk it up to, hey, look, he was injured, and so that sort of took away an opportunity. With the Packers, it's just been you've had somebody else. You've had a Hall of Famer standing in the way, and you can't move him out of there. I think the Packers are sort of ready to move on. I think at this point, if you're, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're kind of ready to move on. Those would seem to be the two best places because those are the two places that have quarterback openings while also still having a roster that can be competitive. I mean, sure, you could go to Houston, but he's not going to go to Houston. Um, they're awful. Right? Like he's not going to go. He's not going to go somewhere like that because they, you know, they don't really have a chance to compete. I don't think he he's not going to go to He could be the next Atlanta. veteran for the Colts. He could slide in for the Colts, but I don't I don't think here's the thing. I think if you're the Colts, the last thing you want to do is go yeah. with another veteran quarterback. You've done it five years in Agreed. a row and it hasn't worked out. And look, Rodgers is going to be a hell of a lot better than all the other four guys, five guys previous to that. I just don't think you want to go with another veteran, especially one with a huge contract uh, and have him you know, kind of eat up that that spot right there. So I they're fully going to draft the guy, whether they move up and get Bryce Young uh, that's another conversation to be had completely. 
now, assuming he goes somewhere, or even if he stays in Green Bay, can he get back to being a top 10 quarterback last year? He was very much not that last season. Was that a fluke, or is this kind of who Aaron Rodgers is now? I think it's kind of who he is. Like, even if he returns to being top 10, I think it will be very fringe. Like, I, I don't think he can go out there and put up the numbers with, forget the big three. Like, Allen Hurts and Holmes are in a tier of their own, but even like, Burrow and Lamar and I'd rather Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert. So after I like to me, there's a big eight quarterbacks. And then after that, I think Rodgers could fall in to be like the ninth or 10th quarterback. But I, I he's never going to be what he was, in my opinion, in those two MVP seasons again, because even then he was relying on uber efficiency. Like he needed a league high touchdown rate and like a league low interception rate. And it's just hard to do that for that long and your margin of error error as we saw last season that touchdown rate decreases and Aaron Rodgers goes from being you know a top six or seven fantasy quarterback to someone that you don't even want to start most weeks and he's not only did you see the touchdown rate go down you saw the interception rate go up significantly yeah. as well and you're right that you know those years I'm just looking at it right now 2020 uh 48 touchdowns five interceptions 2021 37 touchdowns four interceptions those are bananas numbers. And the fact that he went five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 straight years with single digit interceptions is it's mind blowing. And it is hard to fathom, especially when you don't have a receiver like Devontae Adams or you didn't you know, before he had when he had Jordy Nelson, when he had these sort of elite level wide receivers, which is something he didn't have last year in Green Bay. Now, you can make the argument that maybe it's better if he had spent some time with some of these guys and kind of gotten to know them and worked out with them and, and gained a comfort level. Um, and you kind of saw that late in the season. But there is something to be said for having those guys there that you know can make plays, not only, you know, make the big catches and turn them into big plays, but maybe occasionally save you when you make the occasional bad throw and prevent those from being interceptions as well. Um I think he can kind of get back to the top 15. I know he was outside the top 15. I think he can be a top 15 guy, maybe even sort of knock on the door of top 12. But I'm with you. The fact that uh, the idea of him being a top three, top five quarterback, um, I think that's probably done. Uh, but I will say this. Putting him in New York with Garrett Wilson and those yeah. guys, kind of interesting. Having Bre uh, Brees Hall behind him, I don't know, be an interesting look to me. I think Rodgers is at the point of his career where whatever team he goes to, he's going to do more for the surrounding players than he will for his own fantasy stock, if that makes sense. Like, he yeah. goes to the Jets like he's, or, or the Raiders. Like, it's stock up for all of their guys. But for him, not as much, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, think that's fair. He is that guy who's, uh, fantasy-wise, is probably a QB, too. Maybe elevates the guys around him, but isn't necessarily going to lift your fantasy team to victory. Uh which seems like a good way to transition to Lamar Jackson because he's a guy who has done a lot for fantasy. Uh, he's done a lot for the Ravens, but they seem to be at an impasse right now where uh, they can't really come to an agreement on anything. And I think what's telling the reports that when they were out looking for an offensive coordinator before hiring Todd Monken from the University of Georgia, that they weren't really giving their candidates assurances that Lamar was going to be there. Depending on who you listen to, there may or may not have been, you know, an invitation for Lamar to be involved in the process. 
it just seems like these two sides are really, really far apart. Now that can't, you know, it's something that can't be solved, Mike, with the right amount of money. But <laughs> at the moment, as we sit here, is it just maybe time for Lamar and the Ravens to have a conscious uncoupling? I think so. Um, because you look at the free agent quarterbacks and one of them is very much different than the other. And it's Lamar Jackson. And it's like, how is this guy able to, to hit free agency? And you look at every other elite quarterback. And I think Lamar Jackson, whatever you want to say about him, he belongs in the, the upper echelon tier of quarterbacks. Josh Allen got an extension before he hit the market. Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray. I, I mean, we don't see big name quarterbacks like this. Like the talk in LA right now is we got to sign Justin Herbert soon. In Cincinnati, they're already planning around a Joe Burrow extension. Like teams don't let their quarterback hit the open market. And Lamar Jackson's been asking for a contract for three straight off seasons now. So it, at some point, it's like, hey, you had your chance to sign him. Lamar Jackson is the Ravens offense like we see it every year when he gets hurt and I the thing I know people say like oh well he didn't play through injury if you want him to play through injury secure his future he will then maybe do it but when he has no contract for next season why would he risk everything for a team that clearly doesn't want to risk everything for him in return so uh, I, I do think that this has kind of ran its course and selfishly for for me as a fan of Lamar I would like to see him go elsewhere because not only did I think they've done him wrong I think they everyone always says oh we built a whole system around Lamar it's like you built a running attack you didn't give him anything really in the passing game <laughs> well first off I, I just looked it up the franchise tag for quarterbacks 32 million so it would be Quite oh, a bit under really, what market yeah. value is right now for a lot of these quarterbacks out there. I mean, you're talking about Derek Carr's, you know, out here potentially getting 40 million a year. Um, I would say that I'd rather have Lamar Jackson than Derek Carr. Uh, it it just feels like these two sides have sort of reached an impasse, and I think I think for Lamar, leaving means one of the opportunity to maybe get a better offer from somebody else and a chance to maybe put himself uh, in a different situation. I think for the Ravens. Maybe it does free you from an offense that, you know, has become a little bit stale and predictable. And that I don't I'm not putting all of that on Lamar Jackson, but having been there all those years under Greg Roman and having been basically a very heavy running attack, it has become sort of something that everybody's seen. And I think it's become a little bit easier to defend. So maybe this is a situation for both sides that it's just better to kind of part ways. Now, again, if the Ravens decide to come up with the right offer. I'm sure that bygones will be bygones and you'll see, you know, Lamar Jackson back to the head of the Ravens flock again and, and working things out. But it just does seem like we've gotten to a point where these two sides um, just aren't seeing eye to eye about a whole lot of different things. And I think the other question is with Todd Monken coming in, a guy who wants to be more of a vertical passer, a little bit more wide open. Is Lamar the best fit for that? Um, you know, we don't know. And right now there's there's certainly no indication that that he's going to get a chance to at least practice with them uh, in the near future. Who knows? But it also begs the question, have we seen the best of Lamar Jackson? Outstanding runner, good, not great passer, hasn't necessarily had a ton of weapons around him. Um, and you do wonder if the injuries are starting to take a toll. I mean, is this, has he hit his ceiling already? Um, I think we've seen the best days fantasy-wise out of Lamar. Um, I think we could easily get 
like a new revamped version of Lamar where he doesn't run as much, but he passes more and he's still really, really useful for fantasy um, because the Greg Roman system is clearly built on running the ball. There was multiple years where like his wide receiver two was like Willie Sneed. And it's like, yeah, what are we doing here? But um, <laughs> that 2019 season, I don't think it gets enough credit. Like that was the best fantasy season we've ever seen by a quarterback. And I know if you go total points, it's Patrick Mahomes in 2018 and this past season, he broke that record. But in 2019, Lamar set the record for most fantasy points per game by anyone ever. And he sat the final game of the season because everything was locked up. And Mahomes has beat his record by like two points. So he would have shattered that record. It, I, I think the 2019 Lamar Jackson season, in my opinion, I've been playing fantasy since I'm in high school, like so a good while now. It's the best quarterback season that I've ever seen. So I don't know if he'll ever duplicate that, but I still think he can be really useful for fantasy purposes. So Todd Monken says he has not had a chance to speak to Lamar yet. He said he had to speak to any of the players. Uh, the quote, I'm just trying to figure out where I'm headed when I drive to the facility. So That's the uh, most relatable thing. It really is. I mean, he's just trying to figure <laughs> out, you know, where's the bathroom? Where's the lunchroom? Where do room? I sit? Where do I sit? All <laughs> that stuff. Uh, so I get that. He's doing all the HR stuff, probably trying to get his email account set up and all that other kind of stuff. Um, uh, but, but there is going to be a question about whether he fits in this offense. And look, I, I think Lamar as a passer, I think there's maybe room to grow, but I don't know how much higher the ceiling is for him. My concern is that the injuries will start to sort of take a toll. And you mentioned that he's maybe going to get to a place where he doesn't run as much. Um, you know, he had those back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons the last two years, 767, 764. Not terrible by any stretch of the imagination, but at some point, he's going to have to start to protect himself. Whoever the team is he's playing for will want him to protect himself, and you're not going to be able to count on those, and he's going to have to figure out how to supplement that for fantasy purposes with passing yards, with passing touchdowns. Maybe some of that has to him has to do with him going to a place where he's got guys to make plays catching the football for him, uh, which is not always something he's been able to say, at least consistently, since he's been in Baltimore. Those are the Tier 1 guys. Over to the Tier 2 guys. And I got four guys. I I debated with a couple of these guys whether or not they landed in there. But Geno Smith, to me, is a full-fledged Tier 2 guy. Had an amazing year last year. All signs sort of point to him staying in Seattle. He seems to want to be there. Uh, the Seahawks seem very pleased to have him back there, which, you know, in all fairness, this wasn't Gino's first year in, in Seattle. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was the first year he was the starter and he played great, but he had been there as the backup for a couple of years. But when you look at what, what happened with him this past season, was this the magical season or, you know, is Gino finally finding himself after all these years? Uh, I think both things are true. I, I think last year was a magical season. And I continue to say, like, there will one day be a Geno Smith movie. And people on Twitter were like, it was one year. And I was like, have you watched any sports movie? They're always about one year. Like, they're, <laughs> they're not covering a decade worth of stuff. Um, But I, I think if he returns to Seattle, and my thing continues to be like, I don't see why either side would want this to end. I think Geno Smith, his best landing spot is Seattle. And yeah. I think for Seattle, their best quarterback option is Geno Smith. So I, I think they should uh, they should both want to run this back. And Geno, I don't know if he'll duplicate what he did this year where he leads the league in like multi-passing touchdown games and stuff like that. 
But I could certainly, I, I definitely think Geno Smith will be uh, fantasy relevant, either as a low-end QB1, high-end QB2. Right now, I think he deserves to be in the QB1 conversation. And most importantly, he's going to keep DK Metcalf afloat and Tyler Lockett and all those receivers that are awesome for fantasy who last year we were super worried about. He he kept them just as good as they were with Russell Wilson. Uh, I think I think he absolutely does. Um, Ryan asks, Seahawks drafted five. Any chance they go quarterback? I mean, I guess there's a chance, but I don't I don't expect it, especially because I mean, we'll see who's who's on the board. I mean, the the top three guys are probably going to be gone by the time it gets to five. And Anthony Richardson at that spot is a major leap. So I think they are going to tie themselves to Geno Smith. I don't think that's an awful thing, and especially because. Gino's not going to command the kind of salary numbers that a lot of the other quarterbacks out there are. I mean, he's not, you're not going to have to pay him Rodgers or Lamar Jackson. You're not going to pay him Derek Carr or Daniel Jones money, I don't think, uh, at this point. He could be that guy that helps them really rebuild. And, and, you know, I don't know how close they are to necessarily being a true Super Bowl contender, but you get a guy like Geno Smith who can move your offense and help you be productive, and you get him at a relative bargain price. Um, you can do a whole lot around him in terms of you know shoring up that defense, building along the offensive line, helping add at skill positions where you need help. I think, you know, I don't know if Gino gives you the same level of numbers that he did last year, but I don't think he goes back to being that guy that that sort of flamed out with the Jets all those many years ago. I mean, I think another 4,000-yard season is possible, another you know, 25 touchdowns is, is certainly possible. And I think that's all you kind of need if you're Seattle right now. Just somebody who's not going to muck it up. <laughs> I and, think that's what Geno Smith can be. My thinking with the draft picks is like, do you want to really hit the reset button with the oldest head coach in the NFL when you were a mm. playoff team last year? Or do you yeah. want to use that pick at five and at 20? The Seahawks have drafted extremely well in past years. If you could add another big player on defense or two or something like that, you you could easily be in the playoffs again next season. I mean, it didn't happen, but you can make the argument that they, they could have had the offensive and defensive rookies of the year with Kenneth Walker mm-hmm. and Tariq Woolen. Um, you know, <laughs> it's certainly it's certainly an argument that's worth having. Uh, Derek Carr next on the list. And obviously, we know he secured his release from the Raiders. He is a free man. He has met with the Saints. He has met with the Jets. Derek Carr has sort of been that guy that has just been a fringe QB1. He, last year, he was kind of a mid to low end QB2, I think, at times. Um, but when he's right, he's not a bad quarterback. Fantasy-wise, can he be a QB1 in the right situation? Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I've never been a huge Derek Carr guy. He doesn't give you anything with his legs. Uh, he's not the most prolific passer in the league. Uh, even at his best, he's like a low-end quarterback one I'm guessing he will be more of a QB two that will have some good like spike weeks I think a lot of what I said for Aaron Rodgers applies to Derek Carr in the sense that like I don't think he gets a huge boost but like if he goes to New York it's all systems go for Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore (laughs) um my thing is like if he doesn't go to the Jets I'm the Saints maybe like I don't know really where he would end up yeah, that's that's a good question. And the Saints would have to do a lot of creative accounting unless unless Carr really wants to take a major pay cut. And I don't know why he would. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> um, 
the Saints are well over the salary cap, so they would have to do a lot of finagling to get Derek Carr in there. And on top of it, aside from Chris Olave, who's there that really excites you as a pass catcher in that offense? There's really nobody. Um, you know, Alvin Kamara, one, is getting a little bit older. It was not used in the offense the same kind of way. Also has some pindle, uh, pending legal issues that could cause a problem uh, when it happens. You know, if, if something were to happen next season, there's just a lot of questions there in New Orleans. I think the Jets are possibly a better fit for him. And again, those are the only places that I think would sort of work out. Indianapolis, again, I think they go young. I think I think it's smarter for them to go with a draft pick and go young at quarterback and try to build from there. Uh, again, Houston needs a lot of help. I don't think if you're Derek Carr and you're trying to be competitive and you're trying to play uh, to get into the playoffs and potentially a Super Bowl, Houston's not going to be the place for you. So you are sort of limited. Panthers, maybe? Carolina. I was going to say Carolina is an option. But I feel like uh, they're going to yeah. go young. Like, I mean, with a, like a, a rookie or something like that. I would say, look, if he if he shows up in Carolina, he is immediately the best quarterback in that division. He's the best quarterback oh, yeah. in the NFC South. They, I would I would pick because they have a good roster. The Panthers. I would pick them to win that division. Oh yes, absolutely. With Derek Carr, I, they are a, they are they are the best team in the NFC South. Um, but yeah, there's just there's just not a lot of places that I think make a lot of sense for him. It very well could be the Jets when it's all said and done. Um, I don't know that that's enough to make him a QB1, but I'm with you. I like Garrett Wilson a whole lot more uh, if Derek Carr is there. While we're uh, talking about the, the NFC South real quick, I've already yeah. seen people start saying, oh, well, if Brock Purdy could be good, maybe Kyle Trask could be really good. Stop that. Nope. <laughs> not doing it. Yeah, not, I'm not doing that either. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones is going to get the bag, probably from the Giants, but maybe from somebody else. Had his best season as a pro. Uh, credit to Brian Dable for helping turn him around. Have we seen the best of him, or is there more ceiling for him to reach? I think there's room for improvement, and it's it's. I don't know if it's necessarily with him. I think you have to put more playmakers around him because yes. what he did this past season with Saquon Barkley and then a bunch of dudes off the street was insanely impressive, and the Giants have a lot of cap. It was funny. I, I was listening to some show and they were like, they have to renegotiate Kenny Galladay's contract because there's still too much talent here to let him walk. And I was like, you've watched really? a different Kenny Galladay than I have, really? but you can save a <laughs> bunch of money by getting rid of him. Like, I, I think uh, I, I think that's the uh, to me. I struggle to see where Daniel Jones could sign that would be a better fit for him, because I think what Brian Dable has done for him has been tremendous. And I, I don't want to see him leave Brian Dable. But I think the Giants need to do a better job of putting playmakers around him. That has to be priority number one. I mean, they've got to find some guys to catch the football. Um, I mean, Darius Slayton is a nice player, but he's not he's not a wide receiver one for anybody's roster. Um, you know, Isaiah Hodgins is back. I think he's he was a nice story at the end of the season. But again, he's not necessarily a game changer. They need somebody there. I mean, Kenny Galladay was straight up a bust for the Giants. Uh, Sterling Shepard has had problems staying healthy over the last couple of years. They just need somebody who can catch the football and maybe that'll help Jones get a little bit better. I get the feeling that whoever signs him, and again, it's probably going to be the Giants for a good amount of money. I feel like that's going to just put them sort of in handcuffs because you're going to spend a lot of money and you're going to eat up a lot of salary cap for a guy who is good, 
but not a game changer. He's not an elite guy who's going to get you over the hump. So I think for real football, this is this is sort of the worst case scenario for the Giants is if you're going to spend a lot of money on a guy who at best is kind of mid and maybe hamstring your ability to build around him. Uh, we'll see. And I think for fantasy, I think what we saw from him last year, maybe there's slight room for improvement. I don't know how much better he's going to get because at some point he's not going to run for as many yards. I don't know that he's going to be a big time passer either. Um, he was, he was QB nine last year. I feel like that's, that's about as, that's about the ceiling. I think for Daniel, Jones I think so me. too. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, last one here, Jimmy Garoppolo, who, you know, two years ago, got the Niners to the NFC championship game. Looked like he was gone. They kept him around cause they couldn't find a deal. Trey Lance gets hurt. Garoppolo steps in, plays admirably until he gets hurt. And then, uh, you know, you know the story. Brock Purdy takes them the rest of the way. I'm going to say that the the marriage between the Niners and Garoppolo is officially done. He's not coming back. But can he find a starting gig in 2023? I think so. Um, for me, the what I think makes the most sense for Jimmy G, I continue to say, I think if the Raiders don't get Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy G feels like a, a strong backup plan for them there because they need someone. Um, and, and besides that, the Panthers, I think, make a lot of sense. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the one thing about Jimmy G you always hear is how he's so great to coach and, and everything. I think him and Frank Reich would make a lot of sense, especially because at number nine, if he falls or if they trade up, I, I really could see the Panthers grabbing Anthony Richardson and being like, hey, Frank Reich, we're going to let you teach this kid. And the whole first year, he's not going to play. Jimmy G's the, the bridge quarterback. He Richardson can learn from Reich and Jimmy G and then take over next year because that I, I the Panthers, that's one thing that they were very vocal when they hired Frank Reich is saying like he never got a chance to really develop his own quarterback. It was always veterans that he was handed. So I, I don't think they're going to put him in that exact same scenario. And Jimmy G being a bridge and like a mentor to say like an Anthony Richardson is something that makes some sense to me. That does make some sense. Um, Raiders, I think, is the one that jumps out at me the most. Um, slides in there. I mean, it's one because I don't, I don't really completely understand what the Raiders are doing in terms of. <laughs> of I don't know what they do. Building. I don't, I don't completely understand what they're doing in terms of roster building. Um, you know, obviously they they tried to go for it with Devontae Adams. That didn't work out. Uh, why not try to bring in another veteran quarterback and see what you can do? But you know, the problem is you're stuck in a division with the defending Super Bowl champions and the Chargers, who are very much uh, a very competitive, very good football team. That automatically sort of blocks your path potentially to the playoffs. So I, I don't know, but maybe they go out and feel feel like Garoppolo is that guy who at least can keep the seat warm for a couple of years until they figure out what their long term plan is uh, at quarterback. Either way. Not drafting him in fantasy football. I know that much. So um, take a quick break. Come back. We'll talk about the rest of the free agent market on the quarterback side. Uh, spoiler alert. It ain't great. Uh, then we got Florio's <laughs> Film Festival. We'll dive in. Talk a little Terminator 2. That's coming up after the break here on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. So looking at the rest of the quarterback free agency market, there are a lot more names out there. I picked a handful that maybe would possibly generate some interest Um, in no particular order. Baker Mayfield, Taylor Heineke, Mike White, Sam Darnold, Gardner Minshew. Uh, I guess you could maybe throw a Teddy Bridgewater in there if you like. Those are sort of the best of the rest 
any names that jump out here as having any potential fantasy relevance in 2023? Um, I don't think any one of them will be like someone that you want to start each week or so, but I could certainly see them getting either spot starts or like I, I could see if Jimmy G doesn't sign with the Panthers in my the scenario I explained earlier, like Sam Darnold has already got gotten some hype about maybe returning there on a one year deal. Uh, it seems like the league will never close the book on Baker Mayfield. Uh, <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets invited somewhere. And, and Taylor Heineke is the man. He came out and he said, yeah, I want to start. But being a backup quarterback is the best job in America. And I was just like, <laughs> I love this guy. Um Gardner Minshew always gets some hype. What I really think is going to happen, Marcus, is I think some of the teams who swing and miss on the bigger name quarterbacks are going to end up bringing in like two of these guys and mm -hmm. just letting them battle it out in camp. Um, and I also think a lot of them will be like the higher paid backups, like Miami's backup, whether that's Teddy or someone else, like that guy will get paid pretty well. And uh, so we'll see. They'll, they'll be like, if they don't get starting opportunities, they'll be the, the bigger name backups, I think. Right. Gardner Minshew is one that popped out at me. And maybe that's just recency bias because it always seems like he shows up somewhere late in the season and everybody gets really fired up about him all over again. Um, you know, I mean, look, remember the talk last season was, hey, Jalen Hurts is a system guy. You can plug Gardner Minshew in. It'll be fine. And then the Eagles promptly went 0-2 with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, maybe then, yeah, maybe Jalen Hurts is good at football. Who knows? Um, I'm with you. Baker Mayfield will never, never quite die <laughs> across across the NFL. Yeah, none of these guys, I think, are going to be more than sort of seat fillers anywhere. Um, you know, Heineke, Mike White, those guys are probably destined to be backup somewhere. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers reach out to one or more of these guys after their quarterback situation last year, knowing that they're going to have to have a quality veteran backup. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you see John Lynch break off a phone call to, to one of these guys and possibly bring them in here. But um, the Chiefs none of these guys now. excite me. Free agency wise or fantasy wise, I just don't. Yeah, I don't see it. Um, there it is. Those that is the quarterback free agency market. We will see starting in a few weeks where some of these guys go, what uh, what kind of money they command, and what it means for fantasy, not only for them but for the guys potentially they will be playing with in wherever they decide to stay. It. Time now for the premiere of Florio's Film Festival. If you have been with us, you know that Michael F. Florio, not a big movie watcher, so we are going to spend this summer getting him up to speed on uh, some of the important cinema that he has missed during his young life. This summer, our theme is going to be 90s action movies, and I felt like, what better way to kick off the 90s action movie theme than with Arguably the biggest action movie of all time, certainly the biggest 90s action movie, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, directed by James Cameron, released July 7th, 1991, on a budget of $102 million, which was insane for 1991. It grossed $520 million worldwide. It is Arnold Schwarzenegger's highest grossing film and in case you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, uh, the quick synopsis of it is that in the future, the robots have taken over, the humans are fighting back, and in an effort to crush, quash, all that, the human resistance, a Terminator is sent back in time to kill the leader of the resistance, a boy named John Connor, but the humans send back a Terminator as well 
Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is designed to be John Connor's protector. Basically, the two of them fight it out in a battle of good versus evil. So, Florio, first, your your first impressions of Terminator 2 after you, uh, you know, took it in and, and had it blow your mind. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it, it was very 90s, uh, which I enjoyed. <laughs> like, the hairstyles and stuff, I'm like, oh, man, that is very 90s. Um, but... I think they did a really good job because I said it on the last podcast I hadn't seen the first one. Like they did a good job of giving you that backstory and explaining it without really like making it drag out or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. Um, I will say the bad guy, as awesome like as his abilities are, I was like he's half the size of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> like I, I, I think it would have been hard to find someone who looked like a physical threat to Arnold Schwarzenegger at that time. But for most of the movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger is just is winning the fight until the very end when they have that that last like and you're like oh wow Arnold Schwarzenegger just got his you know what kicked and <laughs> and his light his eyes go out and stuff like that part was really cool but for most of the movie I was like I'm not even worried about him Ar- he's in good hands with Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> which is so funny because having seen it in the theater I'm like this dude is a badass because he's so small and. I- <laughs> I know the, you know, having read a bunch of notes and stuff about the movie, part of the the idea was that they wanted the the T one thousand Robert Patrick to look like somebody who could blend in in everyday society, and so you didn't want him to be this big, huge, bulky guy. And I just remember seeing it and thinking, this dude can shape shift, he can walk through iron yeah. bars. I'm like, this dude is absolutely terrifying. You can't kill him when you you bro- break him apart. Like all his pieces come back together again. Um, it was it was maybe the scariest villain I think I'd ever seen at that point in my life. I love the fact that you're like, whatever, man, he's not Arnold. Like, eh, whatever. Because for, for like their first three fights, like when they actually fight, like Arnold Schwarzenegger wins. It's the other guys like in a truck and stuff, and that's when he's in danger. But the the thing I was wondering for the whole movie, like, how can they actually like Arnold Schwarzenegger could out fight him, sure, but how are they actually gonna beat this guy? Because one, he just keeps on coming, and two, he's the fastest runner ever. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, he's like chasing down cars. Like he's on foot and chasing down cars. You know, they're moving 50, 60 miles an hour. Um, so yeah, eventually they, they figure out again, spoil this movie's 30 years old. I'm not gonna say spoiler alert anymore, right? Um, yes, they take him to a foundry, a factory, and eventually just melt him in a giant vat of you know, molten steel, and that is the end of the T-1000. But, yeah, he gave them fits, man. He gave Arnold fits for a while until they figured out how to make it happen. When they were, I, I, for, I don't know what, like, that, the, whatever the machine is that is, like, slamming his head repeatedly, I was like, <laughs> oh, man, this is going to end up bad after all. <laughs> it ended up, it, it, it sort of ended up badly, and, of course, uh, you know, you in the end, Arnold has to sacrifice himself because he is the last chip of the Skynet system that is threatening to destroy the world, hence the title Judgment Day. Uh, and so or to help protect the world, not just John Connor, Arnold has to be lowered into the vat of melted steel. She gives you the thumbs up at the end. To low-key, one of my favorite parts is when John is like, no! You can't go. Stay with us. I'm like, listen, I understand he's been a huge part of your life as of late. But, like, do you want the Terminator to just be your friend and come hang out and, like, watch TV with you? Like, that <laughs> Like that would have been weird fast. That would have been, like, a really great robot chicken sketch where it's just John Connor and the Terminator, like, hanging out 
eating popcorn on the couch, <laughs> uh, you know, chilling, watching a movie or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's sort of weird, right? Like this half robot with a busted up face. Can't really, you can't really just parade around Los Angeles uh, with him. You can't really parade around anywhere because you're wanted by the authorities for mayhem, murder, blowing up buildings, all sorts of things. I did appreciate it even more now living in L.A., I think, because, like, mm-hmm. there's a scene where they're on, like, Sepulveda, and I'm like, I know there. Like, <laughs> so I just appreciate L.A. movies in general even more now. That's the best part about movies about Los Angeles is when you live here, you're like, I know where that is, or I wonder where that is sort of thing. You can you can see a lot of spots. Um, did you have any unanswered questions after <laughs> after the movie? I had one. Um, okay. When they kill the dude who... Um, builds like the Skynet program. Yes. yes, yes, yes. They kill him to change the timeline. I was like, wouldn't that get rid of the Terminators? Like, if you kill their creator before they were built, but they just kept on mm. being there. That's a good question. It's it's sort of the grandfather paradox, right? Of you know, yeah, the, the, the whole time travel paradox. If you go back and you kill your own grandfather, then technically you would be killing yourself because you would never be born. Uh, that's a fair question, actually. If, if, if they, if they kill Miles Dyson, huh? I thought that's how it was going to end originally. Like they were going to kill him since they couldn't kill the Terminators. And then I was like, oh no, they just keep on fighting. Yeah. No, they just keep going at that point. Miles Dyson blows himself (laughs) up and, uh, the world sort of keeps on going. By the way, Denzel Washington was approached to do that role. And he said, after he read the script, he said, you know, all that guy does is like, scream and sweat the whole time he's like i don't i don't think i want to do that they're not to get dark there was one line where they were like oh humanity all you guys you have a knack for destroying Destroying yourself yourself. whatever and i was like oh no like (laughs) i mean (laughs) that's too real for me he's not wrong (laughs) really really not wrong a couple other fun facts about terminator 2 first film to break 300 million dollars at the international box office wow um and the phrase hasta la vista, baby, for the Spanish language version of the movie, uh, they changed it to sayonara, baby, so that it keeps a little bit of humor intact. Because I guess, you know, if he just says hasta la vista, it's, it's not funny in Spanish because that's just a thing people say. He, I was like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when he said the line. I'm like pointing at the screen like, <laughs> he said it. He said it. <laughs> I, I truly thought it was going to come at like the very end of the movie. So when he says it in like the middle, I was like, oh, I did not expect it to come here. Yeah, exactly. So it, it kind of throws you off. So in the end, uh, your, your review of it, thumbs up, thumbs down. Would you, would you watch again? Yes, I, I would watch it again. Um, I, I thought it was really good. I thought a lot of act. So what I was, t- I was talking to my friend about it last night and I said, I think I would have appreciated it even more if I saw it around its time of release or closer to it, because now I know at its time, like it was groundbreaking, but now compared to the CGI, it, right. it, it doesn't hold up in that regard. But where it does hold up is most action movies. Now I feel like just rely purely on CGI and there's really no storyline or if there is a story, it's very like there's plot holes and it doesn't always make the most sense. Like Terminator two has a really good storyline and really good characters that are easy to root for and stuff. And, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Would definitely watch it again. And uh, I understand why it, ma- it it was as popular as it was. Because in the early 90s, I'm sure it was like completely groundbreaking. It was completely groundbreaking and it made it broke all sorts of records. Uh, it was incredibly 
amazing. Uh, and as, as somebody who saw it in the theater, I can tell you it, it, it warped my 14-year-old mind. So um, that's why this is going to be fun. Next week should be a lot of fun, too. The selection for next week is Speed, which you were telling me before the show. Uh, you have a friend in town who suggested you guys watch it anyway, just unsolicited, not even connected to this. So uh, we will watch oh, Speed, another L.A. movie. Two Arnold Schwarzenegger movies I very much have seen. Uh, mm-hmm. Jingle All the Way is one of the best <laughs> Christmas movies ever made, I think. And I know it gets made fun of so much, but the Mr. Freeze Batman and Robin came out (laughs) when I was like five or six years old. And I watched that movie all the time as a kid. All right. Um, He said he'd never play another villain after playing the Terminator, but he ended up playing Mr. Freeze. And and uh, they only made him say ice lines. That was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It was was terrible. Uh, So next week we'll watch Speed. It is an L.A. movie starring Keanu Reeves and a bus. It's amazing. It's the movie that I've seen in a theater more times than any other movie ever in a theater. So uh, looking forward to that. Should be a lot of fun. Of course, we'll have more free agency stuff talk next week as well as we get close to the opening of free agency. In the meantime, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. A happy, safe, and healthy. Do good. Live well. Enjoy your movies, everybody. And we will talk to you next week. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander.